Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I have the most incredible life and I'm grateful to the depths of my core for it. But there are days when I wake up and I'm having a bad mental health day. And there are days when I don't know how the hell I'm going to get onto that bike and motivate somebody because of the cards that were dealt or something I'm dealing with, or my head is just not where I like it to be. And that's okay too. And I think the most important thing is understanding it's not about living up here all the time. You have to know what it's like to hit a valley. The valleys are important. You need those moments where you're unsure of yourself. You need those moments where you're frustrated and depressed because it makes you so grateful for those highs when you do have that moment of clarity. Hey, everybody, and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to Real Pod. It's 2021. We made it, you guys. I hope you had an enjoyable holiday season. It was certainly different celebrating this time around, but I am looking forward to this month. It's always motivating to feel like there's a restart and you can set some new standards for yourself and also create new habits. That's actually one thing I'm trying to do in 2021 is create better habits. But along with the new year can come some of those, for lack of a better term, cheesy Instagrams and quotes that make us feel like the second the year changes, we should flip an emotional switch as well and be super happy and hopeful. And that works for some people. And there's a bit of truth to that. But sometimes we can be at a place in our lives and with our mental health, especially coming out of 2020, where a new calendar year just isn't going to quite fix it right? Let's be real. That's why you're here. This is Real Pod. So when thinking about the perfect guest to kick us off for 2021, I wanted someone who was going to motivate us and inspire us. Of course, right? We're starting the new year, but also someone who was going to be honest about the challenges and the uphill battles that a lot of us are still facing. And wow, you guys, I'm so excited because we have the most perfect guest joining us today. This girl has been in the trenches and she has climbed her way out. Joining us today is the radiant and motivating Kendall Tool. Kendall is an elite Peloton instructor, lifestyle entrepreneur, and mental health advocate on a mission to elevate others. I don't know if you've ever used Peloton, but I got into it this quarantine and Kendall is one of my absolute favorite instructors. She leverages her platforms both on the bike and through social media to infuse energy and provide a safe space for others to feel authentic, vulnerable, and align with their empowerment. Now, while Kendall spends her days inspiring and motivating others, she was once questioning if her own life was worth it. This episode is going to get deep. It's raw. I want to offer a warning now to anyone who might feel sensitive during conversations regarding suicide. While Kendall will share the lows of her mental health journey, and it's going to be tough, and I definitely got teary-eyed talking to her, I promise she will ultimately leave you feeling energized, hopeful, and inspired to keep fighting today and through the rest of the month, no matter what you are going through. Before we jump into this episode, I do want to give a shout out to Emma C., 
Emma left a five-star review saying, this podcast has had such an extraordinary impact on my life. As a long-distance runner struggling with an eating disorder, this podcast has been so inspirational and motivating. I get excited to listen to the new episodes each week. Victoria, you are incredible and help me feel encouraged and have spoken of things I thought no one else related to. Thank you. Thank you, Emma C. This makes my week to read a review like this. And I am so grateful, Emma, that you take the time out of your day to spend it here with me at RealPod. I know your time is valuable. I am honored to be a small part of it. And the same goes to each and every one of you listening right now. Thank you so much. This is a new year. We got a lot of things going on. And if you have chosen to join me here at RealPod, it really means the world to me. And I really, really, really do appreciate you. If you are enjoying RealPod and you have not left it a review, you can do so on iTunes. It takes less than 10 seconds to leave it a rating and you can even write a little note and I just might feature you and shout you out in our next episode. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode. Let's kickstart the year. Please help me welcome Kendall Toole. Oh my gosh. Hi, I'm so excited to sit down with you finally. Oh my God. I know me too. It's been like such a, a process to try and get this done. So apologies for all of the like craziness. No, but I'm so happy about it. How are you doing this? Everything has been so crazy, but I mean, you're getting a lot of people through this time and hyped about the new year, just you, your motivation, your rides. I mean, I'm one of those people. First off, like, let me just say, I'm so honored to get to be here with you. I love what you're doing. And I can't believe that we did not get to cross paths when we were both at USC together. But I feel like we were going through similar things just at different moments. So that's, I'm so excited to get it. We are parallel universe. Like when I'm looking at your story and I'm looking at mine, I'm like, why did you live my life four years before I lived it? Oh my God, I know, I know. I'm like, I just wish I had the athletic ability of Victoria because I would always, I would, I was a cheerleader. So I would see, I would like go to all the games and see all of you guys crush. And I'm like, how do they do that? That's so cool. They're so badass. So it's it just it's so ironic how it goes. But yes, I'll get back to the other question. I am doing generally well, but I'm also not going to lie and say I'm great because I'm definitely one of those people. I know you are as well. It's all about like being real and authentic. It has been one hell of a year. And there's a lot of wonderful things that have come. The growth of what I get to do, the growth of like building that community has been so special. But I would be completely remiss if I didn't share that like my mental health which I've already struggled with and have been open about my journey with anxiety and depression. It has put me through a test this year, especially being far away from family. Like I'm such a California girl. So not being close to the people that like my parents and, and being outside as much has been challenging. So, you know, we're getting there. Good days and bad days. <laughs> I'm the same way, almost to a fault. If someone's like, how are you? I will be the person that's like, I'm not well. And the person's like, I'm just checking you out at the grocery store. I didn't want a real answer. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how to autopilot. Yeah. You're like, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to give you the proverbial I'm fine because I feel like the more that we do that to each other, the more that we think that's acceptable to do. And I did that so many years of my life where I just pretended and had a mask on and nobody would have thought, especially in my SD days, everybody thought I was literally fine and crushing it. And I was miserable and breaking down on the inside. And so I think it's really important. I love that. So yes, make your Starbucks barista listen to what's going on in your life because it will inspire them to do the same. Even if they look at you like you have six heads. <laughs> literally, literally. And on this topic of just diving in with, you know, vulnerability. So last night it was like four or 5 PM. And I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't done Kendall's mental health ride yet. And I can't interview her and not do her mental health ride. Like that would be a crime. So I, and I've obviously done your other rides, which I'm sorry, I needed to talk to you about when you just casually are like, add 10. I'm like, did she mean to say 10? I'm like, I'm at like a nice 50. And she's like, and add 10. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, You're great. You can always take what I say with a grain of salt. Trust oh, me. Oh no. The athlete in me is like, oh no, I'm doing whatever she says. So it's just <laughs> funny. But so last night I'm like, oh, we're literally going to go to our friend's house to watch Bachelorette. And I'm like, oh, I need to do a Peloton ride right now. And he's like, it's pitch blackout. I'm like, I didn't do Kendall's mental health ride. He's like, you know, you could just watch it like on Peloton, if you just wanted the gist. And I was like, no, I was like, I have a feeling I'm going to cry in this ride. So I need to go on this ride and like have the moment. Cover it with sweat. 
<laughs> yeah. And so I went out and I did the ride and I'm not kidding. Like the second I heard the piano intro to Sia's Breathe Me, we were we were a puddle. <laughs> mm-hmm. That playlist was so good. And then you eventually just ask us to stop pedaling. And I mean, that ruined me in a good way, in the best way. But like, yeah. because I just feel we're going and going and going and we want the next thing and the next thing. And here I am in a workout, like I'm going to go, go, go and get all this energy out. And then you like look into the camera and say, stop pedaling. And it was just this moment of being. And I just had to tell you how that had such an emotional impact on me last night. No, I was literally sobbing like through the ride, but in the best way ever. Yeah. How do you feel knowing that your rides and your content has that personal effect on people? It is probably by far the most rewarding thing. And the reason why I love what I get to do, it is, that's the heartbeat for me. Like that's the pulse point, but truly it just goes back to the fact that like being able to connect with somebody and being so vulnerable myself, which was always my greatest fear. And now I've found that that's been kind of the pathway to like that biggest superpower was like being honest about my story, being honest about the fact that I hid myself for so many years and hid what was going on internally. So knowing that if I can show up 100% as myself, crying on the bike or share a story or get emotion with the song or just be honest, that it allows somebody else to do the same. And I think you already do this in what you're creating in your life. And I love that. And that's why I'm so pumped for this because it's just empowering and inspiring to see people show up authentically as themselves and say, I have scars, I have bruises, I have a past, I have struggles, I have been to really dark places, but that's also what makes me exactly who I am today. So knowing that it affects and profoundly connects to people is by and large, that's my only goal. Like that's truly why I do what I do. And don't tell my company this, I would probably do it for free. But I mean, at the same time, <laughs> like, you know, a girl's got to support herself and, and take care of things, but it is by far the most rewarding and just I'm trying to think of the word for it. It just is connecting. Mm-hmm. It's it's so good to feel connected to other human beings, even from such a distance and in such a challenging time. Your mental health issues started at a very young age. You were diagnosed with OCD as a child. Yes, I was diagnosed with OCD right around, I want to say nine or 10. I believe it was a third grade. Don't remember what ages those were, but I had these very repetitive thoughts and I had rituals. So at the time I was a gymnast and of course, that's all about perfectionism and control and just, you know, you're training like an insane athlete at five, six, seven, eight years old. I was in the gym for five hours a day. So this level of control and perfectionism that that sport, I think almost wrongly pushes a lot of young women, especially to was ingrained in me. So I think my way to control it was to have these rituals. I had to wear socks. I had to be tucked into bed a certain way. I had to flip light switches a certain number of times. And if, I messed up my ritual, I would have to go back to the beginning and restart. So my parents definitely recognized, okay, let's get her into therapy. Let's find what we can do here. Worked through that. I had a great therapist, always for therapy, always about a great team. You can't do it alone. It's good to have a team. And uh, I thought I was out of the woods, right? Oh, I mastered it. Oh, I fixed my mental health. The biggest lie that everybody tells us is that it's like a checkbox and you do it. And then come college. So my time at USC, really, it was always there at the time, just before I was, I was acting and I was told I've got this great project. And my agent was like, your life is going to change. You're not even going to need to finish college, get ready. So the dream and everything. (laughs) Get ready, get ready to be a star. I love that. I know it was so honestly, I look back, I'm like, you suck for that. That was so cliche and so like misleading. And I thought I had figured it out. I thought all the hard work that I had put in is paying off and here we are. And it went the exact opposite. There was a lot of drama within the film and how it was. And then perpetually through my college years, then come senior year was when it all hit the fan. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about the fan. We're going to get in there. Before we do, I think it's so important how you described OCD because it is very stigmatized in society and it's misunderstood. You hear so frequently people saying, oh, I'm super cleanly. Like I'm so OCD or my room's super neat. I'm so OCD. And I just think to myself, that's not OCD. And I used to, you know, say those things. And I thought that was it until I had friends who were like, no, it's about the intrusive thoughts. It's about the rituals. 
it's yeah. so much more than being clean. A messy person could have OCD. And I just think it's it's wild how that illness is so misunderstood by so many people and how casually it's referred to incorrectly. So I was also really excited to have you on because I haven't had anyone on my podcast yet who struggled with OCD and could really speak to, you know, what that is like. And everyone's mental health journey is different. So it's really inspiring to hear that you were able to break those habits young and, you know, with the help of a professional. What was it that really helped you kind of, for lack of a better term, flip the switch <laughs> on the OCD? Look at that little pun. I love that little <laughs> Yeah. So the thing that helped me break at the ritual or flip the light switch, well, well played, well said was truly a tactic that I learned in therapy that I still use today. These intrusive thoughts, these overwhelming, this kind of, I would call it kind of like a wave. It was just a wave. And I felt like I was kind of like when you're surfing or if you've ever been stuck under a wave, you feel all this pressure, but you can't get up to the surface for air. And that's very much how it felt when my OCD would be at kind of that massive flux point. And so what we would do is my mom bought me with the recommendation of my therapist, a little sand timer, like a three minute sand timer. And we turn it over. And for those three minutes, I had to completely commit to thinking all of the scary, intrusive, fearful thoughts that were so pushing me down and giving. But it was interesting because the goal was to give them space instead of knowing that they're there and pushing them away and avoiding them. It was this is your time of day where you accept them. You go further than you ever thought. You literally handle the fear. And you go right to it and you honor the fear. And what was interesting about that habit was that, of course, I could easily that those first few times think about it for 10, 20, 30 minutes. But as that habit began, it became part of my daily routine. It got to a point where I couldn't think those thoughts for the full three minutes. Then I couldn't think the thoughts for the full two minutes, then even for a minute. And it helped me understand that my brain was firing in a way and was fearful in a way of something just because I was pushing it away and I wasn't honoring what the experience was and acknowledging it's okay to sit in that moment and feel that, but you don't have to be afraid of that moment. You you don't need to let it control you. So that was very, very helpful was that three minute little sand time. You really dive into the irrational thoughts and you realize, oh wait, maybe X, Y, Z is not going to happen if I don't wear socks to bed, you know, and then you really start to have, yeah, that makes total sense. And that's really an inspiring way to lean into any sort of emotional struggle we're going through is to allow it to surface, whether it's OCD or it's depression or it's anxiety. A lot of times we want to run away from what's really going on inside of us instead of saying, oh, maybe I'm strong enough to have this conversation with myself. Maybe I'm strong enough to recall this memory and work through why it's coming up now. And I've always found that it's way less scary than we think it's going to be, right? We're not crying on the floor for hours and hours and hours like we thought. Maybe we're crying for a few hours, but we get up, we go to dinner, we go call our family and and we move on. Exactly. And I think that's the fear of the moment so often permeates that experience that you're just so fearful of going there that once you're finally in that space, you realize that it's not as scary as you thought. It's no different than like when you're a kid and you're worried about like going to Disneyland and going on Splash Mountain because of the big drop. So, and you're like all nervous in line and you have this anxiety. And then once you get on the ride, you realize how much fun you had. Or you realize like, oh, it wasn't that bad. I feel like it's that same thing. Now, granted, everybody's mental health journey and story can be different. And it can be a very frightening place to be in depending on where they're at. But ultimately, it was through therapy. It was through recognizing that the superstitions that I had, if I didn't complete my ritual or the superstitions that I had, if I thought these thoughts that I wasn't in control in that way. And it really, it's funny what it goes back to and what all my mental health has really stemmed on for myself has always been focused on control. I can't believe it's 2021 right now. First of all, I never thought we would say goodbye to 2020. That truly felt like the year that never ended, but I'm actually feeling really hopeful about this new year because I've been talking it through with my therapist and they've been helping me feel really grateful for what I have in my life and just focus on what I can control. That's why I wanted to tell you guys about Talkspace. Talkspace lets you send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the Talkspace platform 24-7. With Talkspace, you set goals with your therapist and they hold you accountable and make sure you're really progressing. You guys know I'm a huge advocate for therapy. Therapy can really help you shift your perspective, find tools to cope in difficult times, and just really be a guiding light. 
Talkspace is a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy. So instead of waiting for an appointment, you can send unlimited messages to your therapist 24-7 and they will engage with you daily, five days a week. My therapist gave me practical guidance that really changed my life for the better. I'm so glad that I found Talkspace and got the support that I need and you can too. As listeners of this podcast, you will get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com or download the app. Make sure to use the code REALPOD to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's REALPOD and Talkspace.com. Hi, I'm Dom Roberts, a designer, creative, and activist living in Los Angeles. This is The Uncomfortable Podcast, a show where I speak with new friends, fellow activists, and guests all united and passionate about different injustices or just generally uncomfortable topics. It's time to dig deep into the human experience, and that's on period. It's all love. Let's get uncomfortable. So you thought you were out the gates, good to go, check the box of mental health. When you got to USC, fight on, love that. Where were you at mentally in your life? The impression I have is I'm going to be a Hollywood star. I'm going to be studying in Los Angeles. That's my dream. And I honestly love this storyline we're getting that you had a different dream other than what you're doing now, because I mean, people grow up dreaming to do what you do now. So I think the redirect is super inspiring and I, um, I can't wait to connect those dots. Yeah. So yeah. So going into, going into college, I was so convinced that my career was going to take off and my agent was like, it's all going to happen. And it really did feel like the beginning. Get ready. Get ready. You're going to be off. I'm sorry. I can't keep laughing at that. That's the weirdest thing to say. It's so ridiculous. And it was a lie. And I think that was the problem was like, I believe you, you told me, but yeah. So the the crushingness of that, because at that time, like I was so storytelling has always been so connected in who I am and what I love. I've always wanted to be a storyteller. I thought the only way for me to do it was to be in front of a camera. And I'm so grateful now that ironically, I'm back in front of a camera, but I'm telling stories in a much more authentic way for myself. But yeah, so going into college, I thought, oh, you're going to be in college for six months and then you're going to get a job and it's all going to be over. And then nothing happened the way that we expected. And that's kind of been the story of my life was I made, I had a two, a five and a 10 year plan at like 16, (laughs) LOL. That didn't work out the way I planned it all either. So in being in school, I was always trying to distract myself. When that film fell through, I knew that a big, I don't know how to put it, but it felt like there was like a big chasm that just opened up. And I knew that I was splitting apart, but I just couldn't acknowledge it. And it was just like what I did with my OCD. I kept pushing it away and not accepting that space that I was in. So I would busy myself. I was in the film program. So I was making movies and doing fun stuff and interning 24 seven and I was in a sorority briefly and then was like, yeah, no, I'm not a sorority girl. And then pulled back out of that. Like I tried everything. I was in clubs on campus. So from the exterior, it looked like I had it all. Like I was happy. I was perky. I was bubbly and getting great grades. Meanwhile, internally, I was completely splitting apart. It just, there were two separate people. There was the me that was out in the world. And then there was the me that was my truest self that I would not show to anybody. And it came to a head. I actually was in Italy for like a little study abroad to finish my uh, like uh, Italian requirement as well as a cinema requirement. And it was between my junior and senior year. And at the first, like that was one of the first times I fell in love. And my boyfriend at the time broke up with me over text message. Ew. But, you know. Classic. 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 First love on text message. I'm like, seriously, I'm in Italy. Like what a cowardly way to do this. You're like, I'm in Italy planning how our wedding is going to be here. And (laughs) (laughs) here we are. And I'm in the Cinque Terre and oh, it was beautiful though. But thank God for my girlfriends there who are still my friends now. But I was absolutely devastated. There was this crazy, and this is why I, I always wear lightning bolts. And this is what it calls back to that night. It was all of a sudden, like I couldn't, I couldn't hide everything anymore. I was away from my family. I was on my own dealing with this. I was heartbroken and everything just hit. And so it was a beautiful day in Italy and the Cinque Terre was stunning. So we're in this place called Monterosso and the water was bright blue. I swear to God, I was stormed from X-Men. I controlled the weather because the second I started getting those text messages, a full scale tropical depression, like pitch black skies, high wind. There's like a little Italian butler guy that was running into all the hotel rooms, like, ah, trying to get the umbrellas back inside. I just got chills through my body. I'm not kidding. It was crazy. 
Yes. Yes. Every time I, I tell the story, it's, that's exactly what it is. And I remember I was bawling and I went up on the roof of the hotel. I don't know why. I just needed to feel the crazy. I think the, the weather was just such a reflection of what was brewing in me for such a long time. And I'm up at the top of the hotel. My girlfriends I was with were like, where the hell is she? We don't know what's going on. And the wind was absolutely whipping. And out of nowhere, there was this massive crack of lightning right over the Mediterranean. I grabbed my phone. I put it up. I don't know how it happened. And next thing you know, there's this massive lightning strike. And I got a photo of it on my phone. I still have this photo to this day. And in that moment, it was like this flash of peace for two seconds. It was this moment of complete stillness. It felt like time stopped. My hairs were up on every part of my body. And in that craziness, I realized like in all of this darkness and all of this storm, there is still something that can be created. There is still energy. There is still light. There is this moment of peace. And so through that, and that's why I wear lightning bolts to this day, because it reminded me in that dark, dark, dark time, there was still something of value there. In fact, the most value was there. And you can't have lightning without a storm. You can't have lightning without the hot air and the cold air and, and the wind and the rain and the, and the cacophony. I'm so glad that you had a flash to hope or to what else is still there because when you fall into a depression and speaking from similar experiences, if you don't have that one thing to think about, to that one person to call on, if you can't find it, I believe it is there for everyone. But if yeah. you struggle to see it or find mm -hmm. it in time, that period of life is really lonely. It's really dark. So you went back that after Italy. And then is that when you took a leave from school? So I went back after Italy again, thought I was like, okay, I'm not hundred percent. All right. My parents knew immediately when they picked me up from the airport, like, okay, something changed in her. And I kept claiming I was okay. I was so afraid because I thought I would let them down if I shared that I wasn't well, because at this point it's my senior year. I'm about to go out into the world. I need to find a job. I had all these pressures, even though it never came from my family in my internal self. I was like, I can't let everybody else down. I've made it this far. Even though I knew the acting career, I think I'm going to move on from. I don't know if that's really my path anymore. I don't know what my path is. I know I love storytelling, but I don't feel engaged to it. And thankfully, I actually have a mentor that I met at the end of junior year of college. And he's a big film director. And in this time in Italy, he can give me life advice when we met at a film class at USC. And he essentially told me, he's like, you're 20 years old, go travel the world, go get your heart broken, go lose all your money. I don't know, go get arrested, whatever. But you need to live life before you know what you want to talk about before you can tell stories. You need to know what it's like to live it. Well, everything other than the getting arrested happened in Italy. I got robbed on the train next day after I came back from Yep, by the hottest Italian guy I've ever seen. He grabbed my phone, my credit card, and all my money. Ricardo, why you got to do that? I know, Ricardo, <laughs> no. I and all the Italians on that tram were so kind. They were judging me for my outfit, but then they were like running after dude and trying to help me. But it that was it. So I sent him an email that and that exact night and said, Listen, I, I lived my life other than the getting arrested thing. It's not gonna happen. My parents would kill me. So can we meet? Can we talk? I have stories now. And so I started interning for him on different commercial shoots and film sets. And he actually got me into boxing. So he owns a boxing gym in Santa Monica. And I think he knew what was up without ever saying it. We still never talk too directly about it to this day, but he knew. And he got you into boxing your senior year at USC. My senior year at USC. Mm -hmm. So that's the first time I, I loved up and I was petrified going to this gym. And next thing you know, like, the second I was in my head when I was boxing, I'd get hit. It was a complete metaphor. It was the physical representation of what was going on with me, within me internally. And it was the only place I could shut my head off. It's the only time when all of those thoughts couldn't be there because the second I would give them a moment, I would be out of the present and I'd get hit or I'd mess something up or I wouldn't connect right. And I fell in love with it. So I was training like about three times a week. So truly my life at that point, that first semester of my senior year, it was boxing it was going to class and it was coming home and like being a hermit. Like I had no social life. I pushed myself away from everybody I knew. There's friendships, unfortunately, that I lost that now I've gratefully reconnected in, in my own growth. But it was, I, I said to myself, I was a total hermit. And then 
I was in a lovely relationship with somebody who I met on set. He was a veteran and he had served a long time and, and was a little bit older than me and was in special operations. In that relationship, I realized I became his like mental health caretaker. And I was, instead of dealing with my problems, I was trying to fix his, mm. which I think a lot of us do with mental health. We help other people so we don't have to help ourselves. And when that relationship, I, I couldn't do it anymore because he needed help. He was dealing with some PTSD issues. And that's when it was a wake up call to me about that November. I was like, I can't fix somebody because I myself am broken. And then it all hit. So that November into this is where the time, the time loss is. I do not remember. I truly don't remember. November into, God, I want to say like March or April of that next year. But you, you did go home that November some, uh, month of school. Yes. So it was right before Thanksgiving and at my absolute darkest, I was very close and almost attempted suicide. And what stopped me was thinking of my parents. It's like I had this moment of like forward thought of what it would do to them if I were to do what I was about to do. And in that instant, it was like, I, I'm not willing to go home. And I called my mom and she drove down because my family's in Los Angeles and she drove down to school and picked me up and moved me out. I guess she wrote all my professors an email. I don't remember any of this. I know I couldn't get out of bed for about two weeks. And then I started going to therapy. And my life at that point, I believe, was just therapy and, and being at home. I slept a ton. This is the scariest part is like, there's photos of me at Christmas that year. I don't remember any of it. It just all, it, it's scary. It's scary when you black out in your own life for whatever period of time. And then I slowly got better. I moved into a studio apartment off of campus, got to graduate, and then was finding my way a little bit and finding my footing a bit just kind of through therapy. Let's talk about that call home because that's a really important moment like making the decision to dial someone else. And that reaching out for help can be really hard. It can feel like swallowing the biggest lump in your throat. So how did you gain the courage or gain the ability to surrender to that moment? Because it can be very hard for people to do that. And I want them to hear how you did it. Yeah. I don't know if it's a thing. Ugh. Oh, God. There was a point, so it was the moment just before I was considering, I don't know why, because I hate heights, but I was at the top of the building and uh, was considering jumping off. And uh, ooh, ooh. I probably cried up on that roof in the moment of thinking of having to make this phone call. It was like wailing, like deep rooted, like soul level tears. And I'm surprised because where I was, there's, I know there's cameras and there's security guards, but no one was around, which is also odd, but it was also helpful to get to have that cry. And it was that moment of, if I don't do something now, I'm going to do this again. It literally was this fear of, and it was the thought of, I knew it would have tear it would have torn apart my parents. It would have torn apart the entire family that has gotten me to the point that I was at now and kept me going. And it was, I think the first thing if I called my mom, I she knew something was off. The second she probably picked up on the first ring. And I think it's a mom's instinct as well. And I noticed I had missed calls from her, which was very interesting. We hadn't talked for a couple of hours and she called, 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 and I had my phone on silent. And so I think she knew something was very off. She picked up immediately. And I was like, I need you to come pick me up. And she goes, I'm already in the car. Wait, I'm crying. I'm literally crying. She knew. And we've always had this kind of really beautiful connection. And she knew I was not okay at all. And she picked me up and I was like, I'm so, and she goes, you don't even need to say anything. Let's go. And I had a bag and she goes, dad, now come down and get your stuff. And then I don't think I, I never told her how close I was until probably God. It was probably a year or two later. Like I couldn't talk about that moment leading up to for about a year. 
I know she knew and she had the instinct, but I just came like, she, I don't know how else to put it. Cause it's all of this feels so surreal. And it, it's odd thinking back to this because it, I feel like such a different person now. It's almost like it was an out of body experience. And I know a lot of people that I've chatted with from a mental health perspective have talked about moments like that, where you just separate from yourself. You feel like you're watching yourself in the moment. Yes, like yes. out of body. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. And so like when I go back and I think about this moment, I see myself like camera angle, like not to be cheesy here, but like wide angle shot. Like I see the setup of everything, but I was like floating above my body. Like I do not remember. And the moment that I kind of reconnected back was when my mom came to pick me up. I know she grabbed me. I know she gave me a hug and that's all I remember. Wow. And the craziest part is knowing that in having that experience and having that moment, and in the growth that has happened now and in the continual setbacks, right after I graduated college, I thought, okay, we're getting there. I worked at a tech company. It was an incredibly toxic culture. It was toxic as a woman. It was toxic just in general. And the depression came back again, just in a different way. It wasn't heavy and suicidal at this point, but it was absolutely just gnawing. It was anxiety to the hill. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. It just messed me up. It was very self-deprecating, very judgmental of myself and getting out of that and moving on from that company. So that's where my life had a full 180 switch. I was in tech. I was unhappy. It was tech and media. I thought that was a better way of going than being, you know, some agent's assistant and getting like verbally abused every day, which is pretty much what happens. And I had to figure out what I want to do with my life. Working in tech and media, unfortunately, was just not something I wanted to do. And it goes back to boxing. I, the, my friend who was a trainer who trained me how to box was opening a boxing fitness gym in Los Angeles. He's like, hey, do you want to come train a little bit? And I was like, well, I moved back in with my parents. I'm broke as anything. Sure, I could use a couple of bucks and while I'm figuring out what the hell I'm going to do next. This is the grind, this moment right here, because here's someone who has contemplated not being here. And now you're at a place where you don't feel like you have a clear purpose. You don't know what you want to do in your life. And something you always say is stay in the fight. And you stayed in the fight right here to, to find out what that is. And I think that period in life is one that I think all humans experience in different ways and maybe to different levels of severity. But that moment of what am I supposed to do with my life is really difficult to sit with and to go to sleep with and to wake up with every day. So how did you start to realize what was going to fulfill you? Yeah. And it was really great. I, a lot of my own growth has been because of mentors in my life. I'm really grateful men and women for whatever purpose though. A lot of the people that I met were men that kind of felt like like uncles or dads, and they had this paternal kind of connection. And it also frustrated me because oftentimes, especially in Los Angeles, I would go to dinner with a mentor and people would assume because of the age gap that I was dating them or like something so perverse, which really frustrates me. And I think it's frustrating in that sense. It's a whole other conversation. But these were people who they knew that I was a very passionate person. I've always had like a massive fire. I don't know how else. It's like a wildfire of something. And at times it burns me up. And as I age and as I, as I mature, I'm learning to manage it a little bit better, learning to when to use the fire, when to cool it back a tad. But I remember I went to dinner. It was just before I was getting out of this tech company and I was miserable. And I went to dinner with one of my mentors who's started some successful tech companies and kind of one of those makes a tech company sell, but does it again. And he and I were sitting down and he was like, Kendall, you need to make a vision board. And I looked at him, I'm like, what the hell? Like, you're telling me you're like, what? And he said, no, I've done it for every single company. And he goes, when I'm in the founding stations or the founding moments of this company, I put down what I want the office to look like. I find visuals. I put down the colors that I like. I put down the way I want to impact people, the words, people that inspire me to do this. And he goes, you need to make a vision board. You need to put it up on your wall. And it needs to be the first thing you look at in the morning, the last thing you look at before you go to bed. And he goes, a year from now, just wait and see what will happen. And so I made a vision board. Because I was like, ooh, arts and crafts, whatever. I have more free time. I'm applying to 6 million jobs and getting no response, even though I worked at this massive tech company. And 
there was moments of that. And I, there was also a moment when I was out of that tech company where I remember I was sitting on a skateboard in my parents' garage. I think I poured myself a nice glass of tequila because I was like, <laughs> not going to lie. And I'm rolling back and forth and I made a promise to myself and I was like, I will never work for or be a part of a company or any entity that is not actually empowering the people that work there. Because I was so angry and frustrated at the hell that I went through, but also what I couldn't change there. And it made me so angry because I was like, there, there was so much power and purpose and we could have done something great. And so it was a mix of putting that vision board together and thinking, I have a general idea, but I don't know. A lot of it was trying not to judge myself. I had a lot of conversations with my parents about how I felt like a failure, about how I had this USC degree and this USC brain and this network. And here I am, you know, moving back in with my parents, feeling unsuccessful. And a lot of my friends at that point in time, were, you know, they're crushing it at KPMG. They're, they're making six figures of whatever. And I'm like, I'm broke and I'm on a appointment and I can barely pay my, my VW bug car payment. Like that's it. And, and here's, but here's the thing I want to throw in right there and not to harp on anyone's career choices. Maybe they do love it, but it can be so easy out of school to hop in the fast lane to the corporate ladder, to the six figures, but where's the passion? Where's the love? Or to get where's in the very slow, far right lane where you don't know where your exit is. It could be miles and miles away, but you know, there's going to be passion and fulfillment at any stop. Yes. My dad always told me this and he goes, honey, you find what you love and the money will come. But he goes, you got to find what you love first. And it, it's true. I, I'm a firm believer that everybody that is here, that is in existence on this planet, everyone you see has purpose and power. And there is a reason they are here and they have something about them that they need to share, need to create. There's some way they need to do that. The denying of the purpose, the partaking in the status quo of what society expects you to do. You know, and we've all felt it. I think you know, and, and learning about your story and, and overcoming ED and, and being honest about where you're at and being an athlete, there's so much expectation. And I have to operate at this level and the world tells me this, and I'm going to be a straight A student, especially when you get into, you know, a wonderful university, the whole process of taking the SATs and, and getting the extracurriculars. It's honestly, it's a joke. It just, it's something that tells you, you have to be something more than who you are. And it, it breaks my heart. And I think we're starting to wake up a little bit to it now, almost gratefully towards pandemic because people are at home. But yeah, when you find your purpose, that is that feeds you because it's very easy to make money. It's very easy to take, take the path and do the job, but you're going to end up at a point down the line where you're like, what's this all worth? Why? And then you're too far in to get out and start something that you really want to. And with purpose, that P word can be really scary. It can be really big. But if we look at Kendall's story for everyone listening, she found purpose in being a daughter, in being a part of her family. That was a small purpose she found when she didn't know maybe what the bigger purpose was. It's okay to find that small purpose. My purpose today is to just care for my dog, my animal, or my purpose today is to smile at a stranger. It can be small things. And I think the very cool part about your story is you went from this really low point of being kind of at odds with, with life and, and all of these issues to now being someone who is a trailblazer and a champion and a motivator for other people to live their best lives. And that's why I think this episode and this conversation with you, I knew it was going to be so special because it really highlights the roller coaster that is life. And I think it gives a lot of faith and hope for those who are struggling right now to see how you wake up every day and you have the vision board and you do your mindfulness and you motivate others and you feel fulfilled and finding it was difficult, but here you are now. And I think it's also, there are days when I wake up and I have the most incredible life and I'm grateful to the depths of my core for it. But there are days when I wake up and I'm having a bad mental health day. And there are days when I don't know how the hell I'm going to get onto that bike and motivate somebody because of the cards that were dealt or something I'm dealing with, or my head is just not where I like it to be. And that's okay too. And I think the most important thing is understanding it's not about living up here all the time. You have to know what it's like to hit a valley. The valleys are important. You need those moments where you're unsure of yourself. You need those moments where you're frustrated and depressed because 
it makes you so grateful for those highs when you do have that moment of clarity. And it's about living in the neutral. I think so often our society tells us we have to be up and happy and pretty and this standard all the time. When really the best kind of a day is just a fine day. It doesn't have to be a watershed moment. We can't always live up here, just like we don't always want to live down here. When we find that neutral, when we find the beauty in, okay, it was a good day. It wasn't anything crazy special, but it was beautiful because it was another day on earth and I'm one step closer towards something. That's what we have to learn to be supportive of and be proud of. Yeah. The range of emotion. It's like the yin and the yang. You can't really feel that cathartic happiness if you never felt pain because then what's happiness if it's your neutral. And so you have to be okay with mourning the loss of something or someone and feeling sad when you didn't get something you wanted so that you can feel excited when things do work out. Kendall, how are you approaching the new year? What are your philosophies? What is keeping you going and excited about what 2021 holds? The best part of the new year is knowing how much work has been done in this year. And the time spent at home, the time spent in pandemic, in lockdown, while as uncomfortable as it has been, there's been so much internal searching. And there's been a lot of, oh, wow, I I respond or react when I really can learn to take a breath here and take a moment before I jump in. It's finding those little quirks about myself because really it's been me, my dog, on occasion, my boyfriend, when I get to see him and that's about it. And then, you know, when I'm teaching, it's wonderful, but we're all distance. There's nobody in the room. You know, you get 5,000 people in a class live, but there's no bodies around you. There's no energy around you. So it's been a lot of challenge to help feed that myself. So listening to great podcasts like yours, reading incredible books, watching film and TV shows, or even documentaries that are empowering have been so helpful. So it feels like it's been the moment before going out for a big game. It's, it just, and I'm excited for 2021 because I feel like we've all done the groundwork. We've laid the foundation. It's not about coming out of 2020, like, look at how much I crushed in the world. It was about surviving 2020. It was about getting through it finding more about yourself, finding that you had more grit and more, more metal than you thought you had. For 2021, what I'm most excited about is hopefully the horizon of, you know, more conversation, more connection, more vulnerability. Because now we all know, my favorite thing about 2020 is that we all know that none of us are okay. <laughs> Anything you call me, it's like, how you doing? I'm great. No, you're not. None of us are. Oh, I love this realization. <laughs> this is so true. We know that no, this the, the axe up, curtains up. We know yeah. everyone's everyone's not well. Guess, not, guess what? You're not good. It's okay. Yeah. I'm not good. And if you were good, we'd be concerned. That that doesn't make sense. That's yeah, if you're true. honestly if someone says I'm doing great during pandemic. I'm like, oh my God, what's wrong? Because I know there's no way, there is no way you are just booming and killing it right now. None of us are. I love that. The, the gig's up. No one is okay. So we're all attacking this hopefully new journey together. Yeah. And the, the joy is that because we all know we're not our best right now, we can go the most authentically and the most vulnerably and the most real into this next year that we ever have as a society. Like the entire world is not okay. It's not just one country. Like the fact and, and the struggle and heartbreak of all of us. So it's this one rare moment where we get to step into a new year completely in our own humanity without the mask, without Ooh, the facade. I love that. <laughs> do you have any personal goals, resolutions? Do you do those? How, how do you approach maybe the vision board or the things you want to accomplish in the new year? So I'm definitely in process. I have the board. I have the magazines. I like to, I'm ready to do it. It's sometime this week. I'm a little bit of a hippie dippy girl. So on December 21st is a really great day where all the planets are aligned in a crazy way that they haven't been. So it's a great time. If y'all are, you know, if there's something going on, that's a great time to do it, but it doesn't really matter. I'm making the vision board. There's a lot of things I have in process and in work. I'm excited to be sharing soon. Definitely going to be, I'm updating. I have a new website coming out. I have a lot of content coming out in that way, which I'm really pumped for. But most importantly, it's about stepping into the space this next year and initiating and supporting conversation. I'm so excited to see the authenticity of people open up even more. It feels like the world is opening up to them because they're recognizing that their vulnerable self is their most powerful self, that you don't have to have armor on to be strong. You don't have to have the mask on to be strong. And so 
this next year, I'm just excited to see what happens without expectation. If there's one thing I've learned, the irony is that the control freak that I have in my whole life is learning not to control what happens next. So I'm really doing my best to stay present and be open to all that is going to come this way in 2021. The girl that had her five-year, 10-year plan is telling you not to have a plan. I love it. I'm, I was the same way. I planned everything. That was one of the bigger things I learned in therapy at USC was just well, what happens if I don't do this and I don't do this. And I thought, I'll be okay. And it was mind blowing to realize. I don't know. Really? Oh my God. Yeah. Is there one last thing you'd like to leave our listeners with today? If some of them are on similar journeys as you, where they're looking for that motivation or something that you've learned, that's a philosophy for you that you want to share? Yes. Oh my gosh. So the biggest thing that I would share, there's definitely two, is that if you are in process, if you're in kind of the muck and the gunk and in the mud, first off, no mud, no lotus. So kind of a cool thing, lotus flowers, they start at the base of a riverbend. They have to climb up through the mud. They have to climb up through all of the current until they hit the water and that's where they get to bloom. So it's a long journey sometimes to get there. There's a lot of mud and a lot of frustration, but it's completely possible to get up to that surface and have that moment. So don't forget that just because you don't feel like you're where you want to be right now, doesn't mean you're not going to get there. Distance yourself from the idea that it has to be done in a certain way at a certain time frame. My life has evolved in such a beautiful way because it wasn't to plan. I would have never thought I would be teaching fitness on a bike and getting to motivate thousands of people and connect to them and build community. Definitely create a team of individuals. No shame in therapy, no shame in whatever you need to do for yourself. It is such an honorable thing to do and it's something to be proud of. And definitely don't forget that there is a purpose. And even if you don't, it's what you said previously, even if it's a small purpose every single day to be a good human being, to smile at your barista, to see the joy in something when other people see pain, that is so noble to do. And as you collect those tiny moments of purpose, write them down, keep track of them, and you'll recognize there's a pattern. It's always the pattern. It's that moment of what makes you feel great at that time. And when you know, oh, I'm doing something powerful, you see that pattern, the why appears your true purpose appears because you'll see the connection points of that. So have a little purpose to find those moments of bigger purpose. And it's how I close out my classes. It's been a motto in my life since my dad helped me with this years ago. Remember that it can knock you down, but it can never knock you out. Oh, I love that too. So <laughs> many amazing things. Thank you so much for sharing. This has been Perfect. I love conversations like this. I love getting real about the darkness so that we can really appreciate the light and where we are now. Kendall, I had the best time chatting with you. Thank you for everything you brought us today. I know this is this is changing lives, people listening to you today. So I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. And I appreciate what you're doing so authentically every single day. And I love it. We have such a shared experience. And tell Max hi for me. <laughs> I will. And fight on to our Trojans. Fight on. <laughs> If you enjoyed this podcast episode featuring Kendall Tool, you can keep up with her on Instagram. Her username is at Fit Times Kendall. I love her page. She talks all about mental health, fitness. It's so inspiring. So definitely keep up with Kendall. And if you are enjoying this podcast, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I would love to hear from you and hopefully you're enjoying the show. Thank you so much for coming back each week. You can also follow us on Instagram at RealPod and you can follow me at Victoria Garrick. We have an amazing list of guests coming for you this month and through the start of 2021. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss one. Have an awesome rest of your day and as always, keep it real.